Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. evening we're going to be in 2nd Kings 11 and the last time we saw King Jehu well he wipes out the wicked leaders he wipes out two wicked kings relatives he takes out Queen Jezebel this man is a, a one-man wrecking crew uh, but if you you know if you know the context the people suffered grievously under these wicked leaders and um, their time was up God is a very gracious he's very long-suffering but he was not going to tolerate wicked evil forever. And, you know, we look at our, our world, too, and we see a lot of it. All you have to do is turn on the news. And um, eventually mankind's season of, of governing himself is going to come to an end. And we rejoice in that day because we don't have to worry about poverty or inequality or starvation or any of that stuff, wars. It's all going to be gone when the Lord comes back. And we're looking forward to that. But tonight, so we're about the 8th century B.C. And if you follow your history, you had an Assyrian Empire that was dominating, then the Babylonians and Persians, Greeks, Romans, etc. And we're pretty much in the modern time. But at this time in Israel's history, it was the northern and southern kingdom. She had split because of really the sin of Solomon. It caused a lot of division among God's people. Um... When the people started engaging in, in evil, then they would become weaker and their enemies would come and try to dominate them and take over. So we're right in a period of time where the northern kingdom is really not in a good spiritual place. Uh, about 722 BC, the Assyrians come in and they took, take over that northern part of the Middle East. But if we want to take a little microcosm and look real closely, there's a few things that are going on in northern and southern Israel. So what happens is uh, the king, Ahaziah, is killed by Jehu, if you remember last chapter. And it's kind of weird because Ahaziah's mother, Athaliah, she's like, wow, there's a you know, power vacuum. So you, you look at it all in this country, whatever, there's a power vacuum, someone's going to step into it. So this time it was mom. Mom was a little type A. She was a little, you know little aggressive and she steps into into a seat that's not hers uh, and she goes on a rampage and kills her grandchildren this is really weird but it's not uncommon I mean how many times so we we look on the news and sometimes you get a peek into some of these kingdoms in, in our own time whether Middle Eastern kingdoms or even North Korea every once in a while we hear about Kim Jong-un who executes a brother or <laughs> a relative because he's paranoid and this is what happens. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. And when, you're, when you have that much of a taste for power and authority, it does things to you, right? Anyway, one of the children survive, little King Joash. He's a little baby at the time, and we'll see how he's taken care of. Um, I'm going to throw in some details that we might not see in this chapter, but if you're familiar with the Scripture in the Old Testament, Second Chronicles 22 and 23 give some more filler. Okay, usually on the spiritual end. So now that we got that, all that done, let's jump in to 2 Kings 
11, starting with verse 1. It says, When Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being murdered. And they hid him and his nurse in the bedroom for Athaliah, so that he was not killed. So he was hidden with her in the house of the Lord for six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. So the first thing I'll ask to put up is the image of the family tree. Okay, so you're going to see a little bit of a family tree. Um, there's a lot of names. A lot of them start with J. <laughs> so I figured I'd kind of, Pastor Paul and I kind of made this. But So King Jehoshaphat of the southern kingdom, he actually was a good man, made one really big blunder, which we'll talk about, that really got us into this mess. Well, not us, but them. And uh, King Jehoshaphat has a son, King Jehoram, or Joram. On this side, we, well, he marries Athaliah, right? And what happens is Athaliah is the daughter of King Ahab of the northern kingdom, very wicked man, and everybody has heard of Queen Jezebel. Even if you're not a Christian, you know that name. Not a really good family lineup here. Um, the purity of the southern kingdom, because of their, their good spiritual situation, mixes with the pagan and the idolatry of the northern kingdom, and uh, they have King Ahaziah, who unfortunately doesn't take on the qualities of his grandfather, takes on the bad qualities of the other side of the family. It's kind of funny because, you know, we see family trees and some of us might have drama in our own family situations, but this really was a lot of drama in this situation. And uh, so King Ahaziah is murdered by Jehu, but he also has a sister, Jehosheba, and she's married to the high priest. We'll get to that. And uh, before he dies, King Ahaziah has a bunch of children. One of them is Joash, the little guy that they're trying to protect here. And Joash has some siblings as well. So Jehosheba, who's, she's, a, she's, the, she's the wife of the high priest, she's kind of a heroine here. She's a hero, what she does. And she saves this little guy, and we'll see why that's so important. We're going to keep that up because as I read the names, I don't want you to be confused. Even I had to look through some stuff and, okay, you know, get all the names straight. So the saving of Joash, all right? Athaliah, mom, or the mother of Ahaziah, she becomes queen. It's not her right, but, you know, she steps into it. There are people loyal to her, sort of like a coup. And uh, she murders her grandsons. Yeah, it's crazy. But again, in, in this world, it's not uncommon. It wasn't it's not uncommon back then. Even if you look at the European monarchs, again, absolute power. People will do anything when they have that, that bloodlust for power. And, uh, well, God had other plans because they somehow find this one little baby, little boy, and they, they hide him from the queen and the thugs that she uses to murder these children. And uh, it's Joash, and they, they save his life. And it kind of reminds me, there's so many themes in the scripture. Remember baby Moses? right? He's, God wanted him to lead his people, and there was, a, unfortunately, a killing field back then as well, but Moses was spared. Um, even baby Jesus, you know, when he was in the form, you know, he was a little, little baby, a little toddler, you know, his, he, his body was vulnerable, and they had to protect him. So you see a lot of these themes here. The other issue was that uh, the queen, Athalia, if she was successful, would have 
destroyed all of David's line. Uh, which means that now if that happened, of course it didn't happen, God had other plans, but the, the line all the way down to the Messiah. So if you cut off that line, of course that's demonic, there's no Jesus. There's no Jesus, there's no salvation for humankind. So this woman in her, in her idolatry, in her lust for power, in her, she was a, a, an idol worshiper, um, probably she did this purposefully, but you know, God did spare that one little baby. And you know what? Evil doesn't stop. I mean, thousands of years. How many councils have we had? World councils, the League of Nations, United Nations. What's going on in this world? So for thousands of years, humans are not helping themselves. They're not making the world a better place. Been that, tried it, it, it's not working. The only answer is Christ, of course. And evil, if we don't oppose it, will gain a foothold. It's a, it has a foothold in our culture. And again, if you, as a believer, if we don't see that, we're not paying attention. Um, our culture is very decadent. Um, it, it'll gain a foothold in government. It'll gain a foothold even in some ministries. There are plenty of false teachers out there, and I do name names from the pulpit. And I do cite my sources, and I do get the transcripts so I can tell you what they say, and this is what the Bible says. It's completely, you know, it's not good. So verse 3, where was Joash hidden? He's hidden in the house of the Lord, the temple. What better place to hide someone <laughs> from somebody who's completely evil, but in a place where an evil person wouldn't go? Um, she had her own gods, Athalia. She worshipped Baal. She had probably her own temple and um, probably never stepped foot in the temple. Best place to hide the little guy for all these years until he grows up a little bit. Continue on in verse 4, it says, In the seventh year, Jehoiada, who's the high priest, who's Jehoshaphat's husband, sent and brought the captains of hundreds and bodyguards and the escorts and brought them into the house of the Lord to him. He assembles these people. And he made a covenant with them, an agreement, and took an oath from them in the house of the Lord and showed them the king's son. So the little guy is revealed. You know, you get all these guys, these guards, these armed men, good guys, military people, and, and they reveal the little boy who wasn't killed in this horrible, you know, thing that the queen did. Then he commanded them, saying, This is what you shall do. A third of you who come on duty on the Sabbath shall be keeping watch over the king's house, which is where the evil queen lived, by the way. One third shall be at the gate of Sir, and one third at the gate behind the escorts. You shall keep the watch of the house, lest it be broken down. The two contingents of you who go off duty on the Sabbath shall keep the watch of the house of the Lord for the king. So normally they would go off duty. I need you guys to work a double shift for me. I get that. But you shall surround the king on all sides, every man with his weapon in his hand, and whoever comes within range, let him be put to death. You are to be with the king as he goes out and as he comes in. Remember, he's a little guy. He's six, seven years old. So the captains of the hundreds did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded. Each of them took his men who were on duty on the Sabbath with those who were going off duty on the Sabbath and came to Jehoiada the priest. And the priest gave the, the captains of hundreds the spears, the shields, which had belonged to King David, that were in the temple of the Lord. Then the escort stood, every man with his weapon in his hand, all around the king, from the right side of the temple to the left side of the temple by the altar and the temple. Just so you know, if you're new to the scriptures, you look at Spain, you look at um, Europe, you look at even 
monarchies today. And it's like, what's, what's the big deal? Why is that little toddler or that little six, seven-year-old, why are they making such a fuss? Well, in modern times, because they were related to somebody important in, in the world's eyes. In this particular instance, what was so important is because that little guy, when he grew up, was going to have boys and sons and grandsons, and eventually Jesus Christ would be born. That's why that's so important. So we st- see stuff today, and we've even seen in history some monarchs uh, who were teenagers just make terrible decisions, but they were important people. They were elites. This is completely different. This is a bloodline that had to be preserved because God said so. So we look through this, and uh, they're presenting little Joash. And the high priest, it's really cool. He's got this great plan. He tells um, the guards they're going off duty, work a double. I, I need a lot of armed men here. He even tells some of them to guard the king's house, okay, which Queen Athalia is living in. So she thinks she's got extra security. It was a brilliant plan, but the guards were actually stopping her from hurting the little king. Um, and, and the Bible is filled with situations where people took risks to save lives, to put out their own necks. You know, and, and we see this in the world. There's different types of people. Some say they see something going on, and they just, even in cities, they'll see an attack or a, an old woman get you know, her purse taken, and many will just, it's not my problem, but usually there'll be somebody, and it'll be, end up on YouTube, somebody who actually goes the distance to stick their neck out to help someone. You know what I'm saying? Okay, that's a, that's a minor example. But in the Bible, it's filled with situations where people, and Pastor Vinny was doing uh, the book of Esther, and she's one of those people who stuck her neck out to save her people. Um, and she, she wavered for a little bit, but she ultimately did the right thing. But she's human, just like the rest of us, right? So this is the plan. It's a brilliant plan, and it's, it's going to be executed. Now, when I look at this, I think to myself as I'm kind of building a case here, sometimes even today on a, on a minor level, sometimes believers have the attitude that God is going to do everything for them. And that's really not a good attitude to have. Because Proverbs 22.3 says, the wise man, the wise woman, sees danger and prepares, but the foolish do nothing and they're punished for it. You know, this was a, a coup that had to take place. They had to get, who knows what Queen Nathalia would have done if she reigned another six years. They had to get her out of there, and they had to save uh, the little king. But, you know, people today, they sometimes they have that attitude that, you know, I'm just going to sit back, and God's going to do everything for me. Um, the high priest had to, he, he, again, he had to get everybody assembled. He had to give them plans. He had to have some type of idea, and then said, you, you know, Lord, please bless this, because we're trying to do the right thing here. And the Lord did. Verse 10, weapons were taken from King David's armory, now, King David's been dead a while uh, at this time. You know, he's gone buried more, a long time ago. But it's ironic that they used his weapons, David's weapons, to save David's bloodline. So it's, it's a little irony there if you're familiar with the Scripture. Um, and some have trouble when they read the Bible because holy men, godly men, were taking up arms to fight. Well, they also did that to fight the Nazis and, and the communists in some, er- some areas. And... Listen, sometimes shepherds have to take up their staff and their club. Um, it's just the way it is. It's this type of world we live in. Actually, if you look at Romans 13, um, it applies to police and military that they have to do their job. You know, they have to protect the people, and sometimes it, it's, you know, deadly force has to be employed. 
But Athalia ruled for six years because nobody good opposed her. Thankfully, actually it started with his wife, Jehoshaphat, remember, the aunt to little Joash. She goes and you know, she sees the carnage and she somehow is able to save the little baby. So she's really a hero. And then the, the husband comes along with it and he makes the plan. And the two of them are a powerhouse team. But Edmund Burke, famous um, quote, he said, The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. You know, the people just accepted it. Oh, another wicked person. But these two folks, they were probably up there in years. They, they did something to oppose the evil, thankfully. Verse 12, we continue. And he brought out the king's son, put the crown on him, and gave him the testimony, or the law. They made him king and anointed him, and they clapped their hands and said, Long live the king. So the coronation of the boy king. You know, they bring him out, they coronate him. You know, you ever do something that is right, but it's kind of dangerous and your heart's beating real fast? You could just imagine, all right, how's this thing going to turn out? When's Athalia going to notice this? Who's on her side? Is there going to be bloodshed? How many guards are with her? You know, so, so it's, it comes out. It's now not in, in private anymore. It comes out. He's coronated. And the cool thing is he's given a crown and he's given God's word. Given a crown and given God's word. And when we look throughout history, whether it's Europe or the Middle East or, you know, 3,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago, today, the people do well if the leaders have their authority and they have God's word. And that's what we desire. And that's what we should be doing as far as believers, whoever gets into office, whether it's the president, or Congress, Senate, governor's race is coming up soon. We've got to pray for these people because you just see the people change when they get a lot of power. But this was a blessing because the inner circle are excited about this and then it spreads to the people and the people are relieved. Oh, wow, this is happening because it was kept secret from them too. But, you know, it's just to me, every once in a while when somebody comes into office and they get elected and they, and they are actually a born-again Christian, not many out there, that's a blessing to see for me. I'm, I'm relieved. The higher the level the better off it is. I mean, I think about, and I, you guys know I don't get, I've, I've criticized Republicans and Democrats. One person I like is Mike Pence. I think he's come out with his faith. I think he lives his faith. Hopefully he can have an influence on the people at the top. Um, I'm rooting for Mike Pence, you know what I'm saying? And as, here's the funny thing, he would have never got elected because of what the world looks at is not necessarily good. I'm a born-again Christian, my wife and I, my wife doesn't meet with all the things that they made fun of him about. But he got on the VP ticket, and I, I pray that in the next few years he can have a good influence on the cabinet, and, and he could be the voice of reason. So I got my eye on him. And New, New Jersey, we'll see. There's two candidates, none of them claim to be born-again Christians, but on either ticket, but I, I hope that there's some people in the cabinet that, you know, we have to pray for that, that they get saved. Verse 13, we continue. Now when Athaliah, the queen, heard the noise of the escorts and the people, she came to the people into the temple of the Lord. When she looked, there was the king, standing by a pillar according to custom. And the leaders and the trumpeters were by the king. All the people of the land were rejoicing and blowing trumpets. And Athaliah tore her clothes, which is a sign of grief, just like a tear, 
Treason, treason, she cries out. Then Jehoiada the priest commanded the captains of the hundreds, the officers of the army, and said to them, Take her outside under guard and slay her with the sword, whoever follows her. Uh, For the priest had said, Do not let her be killed in the house of the Lord. So they seized her, and she went by way of the horse's entrance to the king's house, and there she was killed. So you see the overthrow of Queen Athaliah. Imagine the shock, and and I just, listen, this is what I do. I I love to kind of put myself, I'm thinking of all the details. Imagine her her shock. She hears a commotion. She's the queen. She didn't authorize this commotion. Even worse, she gets out there and she sees, oh my goodness, that little kid has a crown on his head and everybody's clapping. So you could imagine her surprise. Um, Yeah, and the people are rejoicing and her thought probably was, "Uh uh-oh, this isn't going to be good for me. But she calls out treason, and this is funny because she's, so, she's such a hypocrite. She killed all those little babies. Um, she did some horrible things, but now she's upset because what she did to others is now done to her. You know, Self-deception is an amazing thing. I did talk a little bit on Sunday about the human psyche. And you know what? Sometimes people believe their own propaganda. They just elevate themselves to a point where they're always right. They can't take correction. What does Proverbs 9 say about that? That's a foolish person. But she's so deceived about herself, probably thinks she deserves it, and she, she realized now this isn't good. So she's killed. Well, she, again, committed mass murder. The other thing they have to make sure is that if they, if they let her hang around, she might develop another following and go after little Joash. So it had to be done last few verses, verse 17. Then Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord, the king, and the people, that they should be the Lord's people, and also between the king and the people. And all the people of the land went to the temple of Baal and tore it down. This was the demonic pagan place that the Baal, it was like a little demon god that they worshipped, some of the people. So they tore it down. They thoroughly broke it in pieces, its altars, its images, and killed Matin, the priest of Baal, before the altars, and the priest appointed officers over the house of the Lord. Then he took the captains of hundreds, the bodyguards, the escorts, and all the people of the land, and they brought the king down from the house of the Lord and went by way of the gate of the escorts to the king's house. And he sat on the throne of the king. So Athaliah is out, and they take the king to the, the palace where he belongs, and they sit him on the throne. So all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was quiet. That's interesting. They rejoiced, and then it's quiet. For they had slain Athaliah with the sword in the king's house. Jehoash was seven years old when he became king. Now, you'll notice some of these, and these are what I would, well, not what I would call, but they are transliterations. So you have a Hebrew word, you put it into English, and transliterating it means it it tries to retain its original form but with our consonants and vowels so sometimes we'll see joram jehoram it's the same word but jehoram has more of a god influence in the name and a lot of their names meant something so jehoash is also the same thing as joash what do we see here revival and this is cool because the king the people and god this triangle with obviously God being the most important part of the triangle. Um, And you know what? I I really believe that, and these were believers, these were God's people, and they did stray at times, but it was so cool when they had a a king or they had a leader or they had somebody that stepped up 
like the high priest and his wife, to do the right thing. A lot of the people left following the, the evil ways and then started towards the good leaders. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And that's, that's why it's so important to have good leadership. Not to have leaders that follow public opinion polls, but that do the right thing. I mean, that's really, that's, what I, that's who I want to follow as my leaders in government, government or even in ministry, you know. I, I get, sometimes it bothers me and I get annoyed when I see ministries that, that bend to popular opinion. This is what the Bible says. But they get weak, they get weak need. Some of their interviews are, are wishy-washy. Um, and and it's, it's a bothersome thing to me. Because, and I also want my peers, my other pastors and other ministries, I want them to, to stand strong with us and not, not you know, to, to pray to God when you do these interviews, that he gives you the words, but to stand firm on the word of God. It's very important. So when we look at the um, elimination of Baal worship was important. B-A-A-L, Baal, that little demon guy that we were talking about. Mostly Baal worship was in the northern kingdom, but Athalia the queen, and she's dead now, she brought a lot of that poison down to the southern kingdom. And it was a weird thing. The northern kingdom went apostate first and were judged by the Assyrians in 722 B.C. The southern kingdom retained their godliness for a while, but eventually they went apostate and they were judged by the Babylonians starting with 605 B.C. and ending in 586 B.C. So it took them a little bit longer to get to that point. And what the queen did was she tried to take that nasty demonic worship and bring it to the southern kingdom as well. Now listen, we, we have to make applications to believers today. You know, we don't read the Bible in a vacuum. You know, we, when we read the Bible, we look for types, we look for applications so that we can take with us. And you know, it's funny, in Revelation 2, Jesus Christ rebukes the church of Thyatira because the church allowed the Jezebel spirit to creep. Now, when was uh, Revelation written? Around 90 AD. So it didn't take long at all for some of these churches to start going apostate, to start teaching false doctrine. Um, and I, I just make the parallel. It's almost like the old battle worship was getting into the church and Jesus was saying, that's got to stop. Very cool. You've got to read the letters to, uh, to the different types of churches in, in the early parts of Revelation. In addition to this, uh, and we'll see this later in the next chapter, that the godly men and women, they go to the temple and they see it's a mess. It's, it's in disrepair. Probably the hinges are rotting or falling off. and you know, it's, just, it's just terrible. So they actually have to go into the temple and they have to shore it up. They have to spend money. They have to get carpenters in there. They have to start fixing it up because that's what happens. When God is neglected, the things of God neglected too. And I think I find it really sad, and, and I make this parallel in my mind when you, and, and I see this a lot in Europe. Uh, it's becoming very post Christian. A lot of churches have closed their doors or even had to sell them to, to uh, Muslim organizations, and they've made mosques out of them. You can see it's the church and the stained glass, and the Arabic writing is, is scrolled down over it, and the crosses are taken away, and it's, it's sad. Because Europe, Europe has really lost its way. And I'll tell you what, if people, they want to talk about being like Europe, I don't want to be like Europe. It's, it's very sad. The, the home of, of Luther, the home of the, the Reformation, the home of, you know, and these guys had their faults, but they really tried to, to make 
Europe a better place for Christians, or at least for, for worship. Um, but listen, it happened here and it, it happens today. Great, great parallels. Thousands of years doesn't matter. People are the same. And, um, you know, evil is going to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. We've we got to push back. And that starts with prayer. When we look at this as a whole, a few points as we close is Joash, if his life was snuffed out, as I said before, no Messiah, no Jesus, but God, even in the sinful world, had to intervene and stop that because he had promised his Messiah. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Very important. Um, and again, similar to saving Moses, God knew Moses, he had a great plan for Moses to lead his people out of Egypt. So little baby Moses had to be preserved. Uh, the Jews under Esther, a lot of really good stories of redemption. And, you know, when things looked really, really bad, God would just come in and he would intervene. On a smaller scale, if we go back to our... Uh, check this out. King Jehoshaphat, Right? He was really, the Bible says he was a good man. But you know what? Good people can make huge blunders. And I want to encourage you with that. This guy's blunder was astronomical. He gives his son, encourages it, in marriage to this, this family. It's a very evil family. And this is how this whole chain of events starts happening. You know, you ever look at like history and different things and the, like the worst things in history and say, well, how did, that, how did that start? This is how it started. Good man, really bad decision, and then everything starts to cascade downhill. Um, thankfully, God is merciful because you know we're saved by grace, by the blood of Christ. But folks, sometimes we make big blunders. You know, We need to be forgiven for it. And you know what? God still cleaned up the mess. That's what I love about him. I also look at the, why did, and you say, well, why did Jehoshaphat do it? Because they were from the northern, they were from the southern. In his heart, and it's funny because the proverb says there's a, a way that seems right to a man, but its end is in destruction. In his heart, he tried to make a compromise. He tried to make an alliance. He tried to make the northern and southern kingdom have a better relationship, but they were, they were in wickedness. And, um, and it was a bad idea. You know, I mean, we, we look at our lives on a much, hopefully our blunders aren't as bad as his, but we make mistakes too. And as believers, we have to be careful of alliances and compromise. Again, if you're married and, you know, you have a solid marriage and you want to compromise or where to go out to dinner and stuff like that, that's one meaning of the word. That's cool, right? But compromise in the sense of giving something up that's going to bring the whole situation down. And that's what he did. So as believers, we have to watch our alliances and we have to watch our compromises because it can really hurt us and it could hurt our children and it could hurt our, our witness and our testimony. Last of all, the people, and it was inside of them, maybe they went through life, oh, she's still the queen. She's still here six years later. But they were hungry in their hearts for spiritual revival. And you could see this after the coronation. And you could imagine how word spread to the villages. Hey, did you hear? Yeah, he's seven years old, but remember that she killed all those people? He survived, and they coronated him today. And there's good people around him, and, and this is going to be good for us, and, and God's going to be pleased with this. Spiritual revival, it's very exciting. You know, we pray for it today, don't we? 
We certainly need it in our country. It's so divided. But are we excited for that revival? People in this room, are we excited for it? Is it something that we desire? We could be so busy about our lives that we forget the big picture. Or are we constantly desensitized to the wickedness in our culture, in our country, in our communities, maybe even in our own lives, in our friends? Is God a priority? Remember, revival starts. It's so cool. You know, now it's, they want to televise revivals and make them these big events, multi-million dollar events, you know, tens of thousands of people. But revival starts with the Holy Spirit. You know, we all have the Holy Spirit. It doesn't have to be a big show. A lot of revivals actually weren't even reported until the community started changing. Like, where did this start? Could have started with one person, one family, one community. You know, and that's the problem. We get so brainwashed to think that everything in Christianity today has to be big that we forget that God will use one person, all the one person sitting here. So my question is, question is, are we ready? We saw it back then. We can still see it again. Are we ready for revival and are we ready to be a part of it? Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfields. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.